Hello and welcome to a brand new season of Walk to Wellbeing, the wellness podcast from Health and Wellbeing magazine, sponsored by Sketches. I'm Daniela from Health and Wellbeing and each episode you and I get to join someone as they go for a walk, eavesdropping on them as they talk about their own wellness journey. Each of our guests will answer the same questions, but the conversation, like their walk, might meander a bit as they go. After we leave them, I'll be joined by Laura and Holly from the magazine team to pick out the things from that walk that we want to put into action right away in our lives. Think about your answers to each question as you listen too. And if you'd like to record your own walk to wellbeing, you absolutely can. We would love to hear your answers, so head over to healthwellbeing.com to download the questions today. Right now, though, we're about to join Lorraine Candy, journalist, Sunday Times best-selling author and podcast host, as she steps out for her walk in Primrose Hill in February. Right, about to set off on my walk on a lovely sunny day. My name's Lorraine Candy and I am the co-host of Postcards from Midlife, a podcast for midlife women with Trish Halpin. I'm also a parenting author, wrote a best-selling book about parenting teenagers last year. Um, and I am an author and a journalist and I'm just setting off on an urban walk this morning with my six-year-old Welsh Terrier, Pixel. Um, I think if you were to list the top five most disobedient dogs, Welsh Terrier would be in there, so bear with me on the walk. Um, It's a very sunny day. I live in central London, and I'm just walking to uh, Primrose Hill, which is one of our local walks, and it's been really special to me, actually, Primrose Hill. One of the questions um, that we ask on this podcast is, where do you walk and why is it important to you? So Primrose Hill for me, particularly during lockdown when we were at home with four children, I have four children, they're now aged 20, 19, 16 and 11. Uh, Primrose Hill was a place we walked all the time, but it was also a place I went with uh, when we were allowed to do exercise with friends with two of my very close friends to watch the sunrise. I think it was so, so special for us and it was incredibly important. You know, I was homeschooling, my partner and I were working um, as well and it was just really tough having all six of us in a small house (laughs) doing everything together. So these sunrise and sunset walks, or jogs, sometimes we do a bit of exercise, were really, really important for my mental well-being at that particular time and I kind of kept doing them so Primrose Hill is it's actually quite a a hard hill to run up but was really really special to me so I'm taking Pixel along the way Um, you have to do a little bit of urban walk through the streets of London all the building works going on before you get there Um, when I say I'm taking Pixel for a walk I mean she's actually taking me for a walk and I'll spare you the shouting at her to stop pulling me because she is small but mighty, incredibly strong. Now let me have a look at some of the questions, Pixel, wait a minute, that I've been pondering on before I agreed to do the podcast. Um, So we've talked about the walk I'm about to go on, which won't take long. the second question is, where is your dream walk? The walk? Think about the walk you loved most in the past. Now, 
This, uh, my dream walk is a very special walk. I grew up in a very small village on the edge of the moors in Cornwall. And for our summer holidays, we would go to a place called Polseth in North Cornwall. Now, I'm very lucky to be able to have a home there now. Uh, it's about half an hour's drive from my family. And we would do a walk when I was small. We camped there for the summer holidays or any school holidays, really, because we couldn't afford to go abroad. And we <laughs> would do this amazing walk from our VW camper van all the way from Polseth round to Damer Bay. It's about three kilometres and it's Damer Bay is a really tiny little beach and it's overlooked by a church called St Enadoc Church which is quite a famous historical church in Cornwall. It's medieval church, seats about 60 people, it's very tiny, it's in sand dunes and we would walk that probably every summer when I was little and I've been really lucky to be able to do that beautiful walk with my own children, all four of them. So their little footprints in my footprints and my sister's footprints have been really special to me. It's also a walk I do quite a lot anyway now uh, when we're down in Cornwall for the school holidays because that's where we go for our school holidays too. So that's a really special beachside walk. I also do a lot of swimming so I often walk to meet friends and swim at Damer Bay but Damer is really special to me because it's where I got married so we were lucky enough to be able stopping to cross the road pixel. That means you as well. We were lucky enough to be able to get married there. Um, it's very tiny, only 50 people. Um, it's just such a special, special place. And I've traveled the world actually as a journalist. I've been so privileged. Worked on national newspapers. I came to London when I was 17 to work on the Wimbledon news from the Cornish Times. And I've been, managed to go to every continent. We even took a sabbatical once and went to Antarctica <laughs> and did some walks there. But of all the places, that Dama Bay to Polseth and back walk is incredibly special to me and I think it's probably if I had one last walk left in me at the end of my life it would be that one I'd want to do. Pixel's having a pee. God, the neighbours. Come on Pixel. Oh no she's not having a pee. Hold on a moment. Sit stand. Anything with pixels is actually quite complicated. She's had a poo. Lovely. So the, sec the third question is, when you're feeling stressed, how do you combat your triggers? What helps you calm down and clear your mind? I've done a lot of work around this over the years, and we've certainly interviewed lots and lots of women on the podcast about it, women over 40. Midlife is a very stressful time. It's the 10 years before the menopause, and they call this the perimenopause, and um, the lack of estrogen in your brain really affects how you feel. So estrogen affects the neurotransmitters of your brain so it can send some women into really deep uh, physiological and mental depression and um, sometimes that requires antidepressants but I've had to learn because I went through a particularly stressful perimenopause how to alleviate stress and there have been many tactics but I think sometimes it's just the daily rituals that you go through making sure that you can have 10 minutes on your own that you can have I like to have a glass of water in the morning. Um, but about seven years ago, I did discover something that is very active, that does really make a huge difference to me. I think today they call it wild swimming um, or cold water swimming. Uh, swimming outside in nature 
is a game changer for me. It really changes my mood. It makes me much, much happier. It makes me settled. It, it brings me into nature. I found a phenomenal, amazing community of women who do it, that it, strangers really, a lot of them. And I've had some of my best times swimming. So you just have to put yourself out there for something like swimming. I wasn't a good swimmer. I had to learn to do front crawl. Um, sometimes I'll swim really fast front crawl in Shepparton Lake or in the sea in Cornwall. Sometimes I'll put my bobble hat on and I'll dip in for five minutes at the most. But, you know, either way, it makes a massive difference. It's really calming. And I find that that calming feeling lasts for sort of two or three days afterwards, actually. The endorphins are quite extraordinary. There's quite a bit of research being done into cold water swimming in the minute, at the moment and how it affects um, women particularly in midlife. So it's worth looking at it, even if you don't think you're a brilliant swimmer, even if you say, I don't like the cold. And I used to be someone who'd had to turn the heating up in every woman room and wear socks and all of that. And actually, I have found that the cold water embracing it has made a real difference to me i'm not saying the first five minutes is easy but it's just it really has made me feel so much better and there's a science coming around to back that up so it's worth trying so triggers for me also with stress and this is something trish halpin and i have found with the women we've interviewed can be this sense of overwhelm that you get in midlife that um you know your parents are older they need some help your children are older you you might be embracing empty nest you might be changing jobs, you might be winding up or winding down. Everything can feel a little bit more stressful. And uh, if you add in the lack of oestrogen and testosterone, what can happen is you can feel very overwhelmed and also you can stop sleeping. And that really does affect how stress affects you. So I think it's always worth thinking, what are the things in my day that can alleviate some of this stress? What are the boundaries I can set? Where can I say no? How I actively schedule a Friday walk into my diary now I now work from home I'm not office based anymore but even even when I was office based I did try and make sure I did this I'll go for a walk either on my own or with a friend it's really good to be connected with people there's a lot of research to show that the number one thing that will keep you happier and healthier it's research in blue zones where people live a very long time the number one thing you can do is be connected to other people um, be that friends new friends or just relationally capable um, as the therapists call it so really make sure I really make sure that I see people during the week I schedule it in and it's um, not going out it might just be a 10 minute phone call but it is keeping that connection is really important but I do do a Friday walk with people as well um, and I think that really sets you up for the weekend as well it just sort of takes you into a slightly different place what does uh, switching off look like to you it's question number four. I do disconnect when I swim. And one of the things I like about swimming is the way it changes how everything sounds. <laughs> I know that sounds like a really bonkers thing to say, but I quite like the fact that the only noise I can hear is either my breathing or the water. And that seems to really, it feels like meditation to me. I'm not particularly good at actually meditating. Um, I've, I found yoga as well helps with switching off. Um, I only found yoga because I was writing a piece for the Sunday Times about what a waste of time yoga was and how ridiculous it was and in doing that I found out it wasn't any of those things. It's actually really helpful. We've had maybe over a hundred and how many episodes we've had? 120 people on our show, on our podcast and every single one of them, I think bar about two, found yoga. So 
you know, don't call it yoga if uh, you feel like I did, a bit cynical about it. Call it stretching or just sitting and getting in tune with your body. But the breathing, Pixel, come back. The breathing with yoga was an absolute game changer for me. And I found I could take it into other bits of my life, which was really helpful. So even if you are very dismissive of it and you don't see it as something that would work for you, have a go, bear with it, and maybe learn something from it. I do yoga with Adrienne on YouTube, which is free and easy and quick and short, and it really got me into yoga. And I am quite good at switching off, so when I do that or I swim, I put my phone away. People know where I am, but they can't get hold of me. I really am somewhere else. I'm very good at boundaries. And I think something else I've discovered as I've got older is that time alone is actually really lovely. <laughs> I mean, I come worked in a busy environment managing teams of sort of 30 to 40 people big budgets and then coming home with four children I had four children from the age of 33 to 43 so within a decade I'd had four kids and a big career and it was really really busy all of it my choice obviously but um, and I was very lucky to be in that position to be able to have children and and keep my job but it was busy it was really busy <laughs> so I do think you have to make time for yourself to switch off and then you begin as you get older and uh, two of my children have now left home for university I've learned that actually being on your own is quite nice too and that it's worth scheduling a couple of times a week when you just have some time on your own and that can be thinking or reading and often I will go for a walk with the dog without the phone just to sort of hear my thoughts as it were um, which sounds a bit self-indulgent but it's actually really restful now, uh, question number five is, when was the last time you challenged yourself to try something new or different? And how did it go? Well, the how did it go bit is still to be decided for us. So, I, uh, when I left full-time work in an office and set up the podcast with Trish, it was a real, it was a side hustle for us. It was something new. We're just crossing the road now, heading towards Primrose Hill. It was something new. It was something we hadn't done before. We were print journalists, we were editors, we were used to working in fashion and beauty. We weren't really used to broadcast. Um, you know, we'd done a bit of telly and a bit of radio, but we set up the podcast. It's done very well. There is a real audience uh, for midlife women, and actually women coming into midlife. Um, and last year we were approached by an event company to put on a festival of the podcast. So this will be a live two-day festival with shopping and all sorts of things going on but it will really be a showcase for us getting all the experts in midlife together and answering all those questions for this kind of amazing community of women that sprung up around us so this festival is on may the 19th and 20th this year 2023 and it's at the business design center in islington um, we went to have a look at the business design center a couple of weeks ago and it is quite big and um, that was a real sort of moment where Trish and I thought, oh goodness, this is real and it's huge and we're finally going to get to meet all the women on our private Facebook community and there's thousands of them and we might get to meet all the listeners who've downloaded the show millions of times. It's, it, it is quite a big challenge and it is something that's completely out of our comfort zone. We're editors, we're mums, we're not really, you know, we're not TV presenters, we're not, <laughs> we're not used to being on stage for any length of time. So... 
you know, I think it'll go well. We've got some really big names coming. We've got loads of experts, loads of celebrities, lots of guests of the show. And we know lots of the women on our Facebook group will be coming along too. So that's been a real sort of challenge. We could have said no to that, but we felt that, you know, we should just try it. That it wasn't our thing. It puts us right at the centre of something, makes us very visible. Could be a complete failure, could be a huge success. Don't know, but that really is a challenge outside of my comfort zone. So, um, fingers crossed, May the 19th and 20th, that it works. Who is really nailing their well-being in my life? A friend, a family member, who inspires me? Well, you know, I think you can be inspired by famous people. We've certainly talked to some amazing women on the podcast. We had an amazing time with Ruby Wax when she came on, talking about managing extreme mental health issues and we had had amazing guests on who really do inspire us with their just small thoughtful ways we had Danny Binnington on who um, endured quite extraordinary um, trauma really when she went through cancer treatment and she just came on talking about all the small things in her life that make a difference she had such a gentle presence um, I was so impressed by her it was really lovely to hear her voice but you know everyone I mean I I'm pretty inspired by someone like Oprah who I just love <laughs> and love to listen to but I'm equally inspired by Trish my co-host who's very good at uh, setting a boundary time for working and questioning me when I might be doing something too manic and I might be dismissing something a practice that she knows will work but um I might have journaling, for example. She mentioned that to me and I poo-pooed it. Uh, I've been doing it for three months. It's actually quite useful. So those are the, you know, the women around you. I think the younger women coming through inspire me and my daughters inspire me all the time. They're very good at managing their mental health. They will often say no to things because they don't, they don't have that sense of FOMO that perhaps I had when I was younger. That I had to go to everything, be at everything and be seen everywhere and a kind of needy sense of FOMO. They don't seem to have that. They seem very calm and happy to say, I don't want to go out on a Friday if I don't need to, because I quite like to get a rest on a Friday. So they inspire me, I think. You have to look around you to the women who are nearest to you sometimes to inspire you with things. All right, we're just coming up the hill leading into Primrose Hill. I hope everyone's impressed with the quiet way I've quietly been managing Pixel, who's nearly pulled my arm off. She's so desperate to go after her ball. She's been, um, actually, if you, if you can have a dog, if you've got a family, she's been quite an amazing thing to have in the family, especially when the two children, two older children left home uh, because she's been such quite such a source of comfort for us which um, was unexpected even though she's quite a handful uh, she's pulling away on her lead here I've had about four dog trainers to try and help me stop her pulling it's clearly not her fault it's clearly mine but she won't take any notice <laughs> she's quite a character there aren't many Welsh terriers around where we live so people always say hello to her Right, Pixie, going in the park.
So one of the uh, other questions that I have on my list is what is a recent little win I'm happy with? I'll tell you what I'm happy with. After years of doing fairly manic exercise, I did a lot of stuff in the gym. I used to run a lot. Uh, just a way of keeping fit, really. Um, after years of that, I'm 55 this year, I have really eased off. And I think I've probably been fitter and healthier than I've ever been. I think I could probably beat most of my times <laughs> um, from when I was younger, just because it really suits me better to do things more slowly. And that's uh, kind of quite a win for me. I, I've, I'm not so competitive in my head about it. I think maybe a lot of women in my generation were a little bit burnt out and we got into a more manic way of working and actually being able to sit down and say I don't need to do an hour of hit today and schedule everything in what might be nice is just to work within my limits and to feel happy about it I do a bit of pilates sometimes but I do a lot of walking and I run up the hill every now and again but mostly sanity not vanity just to see the sunrise and I'll swim sometimes indoors if I have to for quite a long time and that will help keep me fit. But it's more the kind of small regularity of it so that I'm not doing this quite intense training that I used to do before that I used to think was beneficial for me but probably was wearing me out. I mean, it certainly helped me sleep a little bit but it was probably mentally wearing me out and probably taking a bit of a toll on my body. So I've learnt... The little wins I've learnt are that, you know, sometimes you just haven't got the energy in you. And I'm all, I will always go out, but maybe I'll run quite slowly. Or maybe I'll walk for a bit and do it that way instead of punishing myself afterwards for not, not working so hard while I'm doing it. Again, I think that's something I've learnt from other women around me of my age. Uh, what's the biggest life lesson I've learnt this year? Well, that's quite a big question, which is coming into the park now it's a beautiful sunny day it's quite nippy still frost on the cars from the morning um, the lovely thing about Primrose Hill is you can see the whole of London so from the top of the hill which I'm about to go up now you can see the wheel you can see the shard you can see the BT tower it's really quite beautiful you get quite a vantage point across the whole of the city um, I came to London when I was quite young so I didn't know it very well I'm not wasn't from here but I absolutely love the city now. Um, I love being able to go back to Cornwall as well, but it's a really beautiful place to walk, and I'm all for urban walks. I often walk into, well, I walk to all my appointments and things and walk into town, and it's just a really lovely thing. You get people say hello to you, and people say London is fast and unfriendly, and it, it's not. It's multicultural, and I've always found it to be incredibly welcoming and friendly if you're kind of open and happy to chat to people. So the thing about Primrose Hill is it's got these really beautiful Victorian-style lampposts. So it feels like going a little bit of a walk back in time. Hear the birds? So it's, oh, pixel's off, Christ. Oh, it's a squirrel. Pixel, come on. I'm not going to let her off the lead because no one wants to hear me shouting at a Welsh terrier. So, yes, so the biggest win that I have learnt, the, the, best, the biggest life lesson that I've learnt this year, well, I think the thing I've learnt is that change is inevitable, happens every day. You, you can't 
you have to alter your expectations around it. But also I think the biggest lesson I've learned, which I learn every day really, is that everything's going to be okay, and if it's not okay, you will be okay with that. <laughs> it's really just sort of living in the moment and not getting too stressed about everything. So much is going on at this stage of life, and you can get up in the morning and think you have your day set, and there's just so many people involved in how that day might not be. And, you know, you lose people around you at this stage of life and, you know, people are unwell and you may be unwell yourself and people you're very close to are going through all sorts of things. So really it's not about trying to be happy all the time. It's about being okay with the times when you won't be happy, when there'll be things going on. So I think that's been my biggest life lesson. Uh, when's the last time you cried? Tears of sadness, happiness, relief, or anything else, exclamation mark. Well, the last time I cried, actually, I cry at anything, everything, absolutely everything, adverts, everything. The big stuff I don't cry at, but the small stuff I, I'm to the embarrassment of all my children who can't sit next to me when I'm watching something sad. I can't watch anything about pets on the telly because it makes me cry. But the <laughs> last time I kind of cried was in public with my daughter was giving, well, she was at an, oh, we were at an open mic thing for kids where they have learned a uh, instrument and they could just go and practice playing it in front of sort of 30 people in a little charity in North London. It's called Red Hedgehog. It's really lovely. Um, so we popped up to see if she wanted to play. She's been playing piano for a bit and I thought it might be good for her confidence. And then we watched, there were 20 other little participants taking part and we watched some girls who were about eight or nine singing and they were so nervous. Their little hands were shaking and their voices were trembling and I, I couldn't help crying. I, my, I felt so strongly for them, I just wanted to scoop them up. But they, it was obviously incredibly important to them because it, it wasn't a performance like, you know, sort of kids practicing and practicing and then giving a performance or graded or anything. It was just to sort of help kids feel a bit more comfortable in public and more confident. And I was just watching them and their little faces at the end when they were so pleased they'd done it and just so overwhelmed with and a huge sense of achievement and I think sometimes we put such a lot of pressure on our young people to get grades and to be perfect at things and actually just taking part's fine and it's quite nice but they 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 were so and I obviously I have was very tearful and um much to the embarrassment of my 11 year old who couldn't quite understand why I didn't cry when she did it <laughs> I think she was it was easier for her to do obviously these little girls that did it was it was really made them feel a bit more confident so that was the last time I cried what is the best advice you can give someone about happiness well the best advice I can give someone about happiness is not to expect it and that now sounds a bit negative but we do live in this kind of positivity culture and one thing I've learned from all the therapists I've interviewed for my books I've got a book coming out called what's wrong with me 101 things midlife women need to know and it really you can it's okay to not be happy you cannot be happy all the time but sometimes in the sadness in the more anxious more jangly times you learn a lot more about yourself so trying to be happy all the time is mad it's absolutely mad you you just can't do it so um it's more healthy i think for one to learn how to deal with all of our emotions and not to consistently want to be happy because I think you do you know in, in a way you will be happy by being capable and comfortable around all the emotions you might feel Yay. as an adult
we are beginning our ascent of the hill. It's quite a relief not to have to run it, quite frankly. Although I did run it yesterday morning. So that's what I know about happiness. It's not a given. Uh, we interviewed the therapist Julia Samuel, whose work around grief was extraordinary. She's written several books and she told us that hope is the alchemy of change. So when you're going through very sad times and you're, you have hope for happier times or for better times, that's what shifts how you feel and that's what makes things change and that's what moves you forward. So yeah, I guess I learned that about happiness. You can't always be happy and also you shouldn't expect your children to always be happy or your friends to be happy as well. They're allowed to have moments when they're not. There's quite a lot of dogs at the top here, so Pixel gets very excited about other dogs. It's a beautiful sunny day as I walk up. It's really warm now. I'm always amazed at how many people are out and about during the middle of a day in the week. It is lunchtime, so there are a few more, but lots of people. I saw Nicole Kidman at the top of Primrose Hill once, one of my early walks. Sat on the bench next to Boy George having a bit of a breather between his exercise sessions. There's often, and Gwyneth Paltrow was here once, <laughs> there's often quite a few sort of famousy people in London when you go out and about. No one here today though, just people having their lunch. Someone cycling up the hill on an electric bike. Does say no cycling at the bottom. Having a sniff. engraved at the top of Primrose Hill. It says, I have conversed with the spiritual son. I saw him on Primrose Hill. It's written by William Blake, 18, 1800s maybe, 1700s. I always think that's quite a nice thing to read at the top of your walk, just especially if you've jogged up there and you think you're head's going to explode. So I have to finish three sentences here. Um, being healthy is, so for me, being healthy is being well rested because uh, when I went through the perimenopause I couldn't sleep and it wasn't just I couldn't sleep, I had night terrors, insomnia, 
horrendous sweats and I was incredibly scared of going to bed. And when I went on hormone replacement therapy, which is what all women should be going on if they can when they hit the perimenopause, not the menopause, they should go on it before. It's completely natural, it's made of plants, body identical, HRT. But when I went on that, within three weeks, I was better and I could sleep and I was rested. And it makes such an enormous difference and it's a real scandal that at the time, six years ago, no one knew these facts and GPs were not prescribing HRT to women and we were all, I, you know, it, was, it caused irreparable damage to my mental health. It was, well, not irreparable, but it, re it really distressed me and I was in a terrible place and it was so easily cured. And I felt very cross about that. It's one of the reasons that Trish and I set up the podcast. So to me, being healthy is being rested and having sleep back was such a game changer for me. The next sentence is, I'm most me when I'm laughing, I think. I just think the value of laughter is underestimated. I think I am most me when I'm with my family or my friends and we are really, really laughing about something. That's what makes me feel very, very happy. The final sentence is, the best thing about my walk today has been, well, I guess maybe you're better judged than I am of the best thing. The best thing about my walk today has been the sunshine, getting to the top of Primrose Hill, pixel not disappearing, which is often I spend a bit of time looking for her on a walk. Um, yes, I think that's been the best thing about the walk today, just the sunshine and, and nature and being outside and hearing the birds. I'm sure everyone says that about a walk, but I know that I'll feel different when I go back to do work this afternoon than I would have felt if I hadn't gone for a walk and I, I certainly know when I've talked to people in, in very desperate or sad situations sometimes a 10 minute walk outside can be a real game changer in life so I wish everybody luck with their walks today um, Put your shoes by your bed if you think you're going to be deterred from going for a walk in the morning or just be ready to go. Um, enjoy your walks, whether they're in sunny or rainy or urban or in the country. And it's been lovely chatting to you and thank you very much for listening. I'm Lorraine Candy, signing off. Gosh, the ascent up Primrose Hill sounded like a popular walking destination. So whether you're in a group or strolling solo, our sponsor has a great selection of footwear and apparel to meet all of your needs. So before we hear from the team, let's take a moment to hear from Sketchers. Here's musician and TV radio host Mylene Class for Skechers Archfit Footwear. My day-to-day -day is jam-packed, including being a full-time mum. And if you're busy like me, you can't be slowed down by uncomfortable footwear with no support. So, I get all the comfort and arch support I need with Skechers Archfit Footwear. Skechers teamed up with podiatrists to create footwear with podiatrist-certified arch support for 24-7 comfort. Because if I don't get a day off, neither should my Skechers. Find Skechers Archfit Footwear for men and women everywhere.
Hi, welcome back to Walk to Wellbeing. I'm your host for today, Danny. Plus, I'm joined by Laura and Holly from the Health and Wellbeing team. That felt like a really enlightening walk. I loved hearing Lorraine's little nuggets of wisdom. But how about you, Laura? What did you think of Lorraine's episode? I loved the way she was really honest about previously being cynical about things like yoga and breath work and journaling and and all that stuff mm. but now she's sort of um, found them really beneficial like as she's gotten older because I think what she was saying about slowing down and doing things like walking swimming pilates and yoga has helped her feel fitter than ever whereas in the past she was saying she would do like a, a big hit workout or something like that mm. but maybe not as frequently but she I, I liked what she was saying that you know, she's fitter than doing the high intensity workouts because she's saying something about it being um, the small regularity that was key. And I like that little term because yeah. I think that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's doing things regularly with exercise anyway. And a lot of things when it comes to well-being, if you can keep up these regular habits rather than just being like, you know, then not doing anything for a week and then spending two hours in the gym or something like that. Yeah, I think a little bit of walking every day and a bit of yoga every day is, is definitely much more beneficial. Consistency is key, right? Yeah. What does Deliciously Ella say, Danny? She says it's the habits that you do daily-ish that are going to really make the difference. So uh, yeah. she said that her thing is like, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, no matter how dedicated or motivated you are, something might crop up in your day or in your week that is just going to interfere with those habits that you've built in. So yeah, daily-ish is the way to go. Nice. Yeah. And I thought with Lorraine as well, taking more of a holistic approach to her well-being seemed to be key to her feeling fitter as well, like doing the things like journaling and the breathing and scheduling in downtime and stuff like that for mental well-being might have made her feel physically better as well yeah I totally agree Laura I think it sounds like Lorraine has really got that holistic approach to wellness like you were Mm. saying Um, I really loved listening to how she said she went for walks with her friends during lockdown to watch the sunrise Mm. Um, and I don't know about you guys but that's something that I really craved in um, 2020 Um, I was constantly badgering my husband to go and watch the sunrise with me (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if we actually do don't know if we got out of bed in time um, (laughs) why was that I just felt like we needed needed to connect with nature yeah connect and maybe have a bit of awe in our lives or I don't know you kind of didn't have a choice did you the person who you're living with that was your walking (laughs) partner your eating partner your dinner partner (laughs) needed to go and do something different (laughs) (laughs) but I think it sounds like Lorraine's friends are really important to her and I loved what she said about um the women around you inspiring you but she also mentioned that Um, younger women don't seem to have a needy sense of FOMO which made me smile Mm -hmm. Um, and that her daughters for example were quite happy to take a rest day on a Friday rather than right we need to pack everything in Mm -hmm. yeah Um, so that makes me quite hopeful that the future generations aren't going to be so caught up in the shoulds Mm. and I think in fact Danny you mentioned to me a few weeks back um, I don't know if you remember women the same age as you oh yeah the grand old age of 27 (laughs) (laughs) your rock and roll year (laughs) oh yes (laughs) knew how to set better boundaries than women in midlife or that that's what you'd perceived anyway Mm. um that you weren't always having to fit everything in and you know feeling like you had to do absolutely everything and 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 knowing when to have that downtime so Mm -hmm. yeah I I thought that was really interesting what you were saying because I don't know about you Laura I'm are you saying I'm older (laughs) (laughs) I am (laughs) I'm 40 it's a a tricky road (laughs) tricky little path that I've trod down here it is Um, (laughs) I mean I'm catching you up Laura Uh, but 
I definitely feel that, you know, if if you've got no plans, it doesn't feel like an opportunity for rest. It feels a bit like... You have to fill it. Yeah, or like, what am I missing out on that other people are doing? Um, or, you know, what opportunity have I missed out on that I could have... Yeah. Yeah. But a, a lot of coulda, woulda, shoulda. <laughs> you have. <laughs> yeah, with, with that blank space. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I think when I... Certainly when I was younger, I definitely had like FOMO and I wouldn't want to miss out on a night out if I knew that my friends were going out for example even if I even if I felt really run down and tired or or even sometimes a bit ill you know I would mm. still be like no I'm gonna come out because I just I just didn't want to miss out love that dedication to the cause <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was very dedicated to a party <laughs> I've had just had a really big flashback actually when you said that too oh no something involving me <laughs> no no oh, an no, off, an no. office party no, just, from back in the day or something oh no a new year's eve and having like really bad flu and traipsing across London <laughs> to go to a friend's party and like tissues up my <laughs> sleeves and I like, packed like satsumas for extra vitamin oh. C. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. <laughs> that that does remind me of like, you know, when you go to uni and then it's that kind of like first week in October, everyone's got the flu, got freshest flu, but oh, you're yeah. still ready, you know, you're yeah. lining up outside the club, you've got <laughs> barely any clothes on, and yeah. but you're just, you know, you've got the biggest flu ever, but yeah, it's just being with your friends and being in the moment is so important, <laughs> getting better at that time. That's it. No, but I, I feel really optimistic that rest is just as important for women coming through, and maybe we mm. could learn a little bit from that. Mm. And actually, that kind of leads into my other favourite line from Lorraine, which was sanity not vanity um, and what are we doing for our well-being rather than well, what it looks like so I thought that was really lovely yeah I felt really inspired as well Holly after listening to Lorraine's walk she's got so much wisdom and advice to share yeah mm. definitely for someone a woman of my age <laughs> <laughs> for me it really reiterated how everyone really is just on their own path and their own journey when it comes to health and fitness and even though we are all at very different stages of our life like one thing I can really relate to was how in tune Lorraine was with her body and yeah mm. again like you guys have touched on rest is so so important and she's definitely realized that I think like and I do think I know people hate this word but you know our fitness journey I think you know she's she's done all like the really hard graft mm. and all the grind and that's what I'm kind of hoping for me <laughs> hopefully hope one day I won't really have to like wake up and do all the hit workouts but I, which I do really enjoy but then yeah like I, I found her really inspirational when she said that she's the fittest that she's ever been like mm. even though she's slowing down which I thought was lovely I think there's there is always this pressure I think to kind of like keep going on that hamster wheel all the mm. time and but actually yeah it just shows that actually take care of your body and it will take care of you yeah that's such a good point and I think sometimes also people are a bit people that do work out a lot and do like the hip workouts regularly and stuff it's almost like they're scared of losing fitness so they're, they're scared of slowing down a bit you know mm. runners and and I get that you know some people really love running but also some people will keep running even though they've got an injury and things you know yeah. and, it, and it's actually it would be healthier for them to to slow down and do the you know the walking or the yoga or those kind of you know softer exercise if you want to call it that mm. but yeah I think Lorraine's a really good example that you can slow down and do the different types of exercises that feels good and you don't need to worry about losing fitness mm. yeah it shows as well how versatile we are and also how expansive the world of 
quote unquote fitness is you know you can find something that works for you mm. and I know that um, Amanda Wakely said all the way back as well at the beginning of the season that it just shows that you've got to find what works for you rather than subscribing to what you think you should do mm-hmm. mm. and yeah the, be- the best fitness advice I've ever heard personally is the best workout routine is one you can stick to and yes. I feel like yeah. Lorraine's found hers that's within her limits and makes her very happy yeah it's so true isn't it it's if you're if you're not sticking to it, I think like you said, Laura, if you're just doing a random hit workout and then you're not doing anything else and then just going really hard like one time a week. Yeah, then it's almost like a shock to your body, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, like it's not going to be used to it. No, but, and it's like, just not very kind. No, it's really not, is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's really not. Or joyful. No, I think, and I think that's the key, isn't it? If you're doing stuff you enjoy, you're doing stuff regularly, then I think, and, and like you said, being kind to your body, um, I think that's, that is a key part of being healthy absolutely this actually leads us on very nicely as we say every week on the pod health and wellness isn't always one size fits all so we'll be digging into some common myths and in particular today I wanted to talk about happiness and joy so I know that Lorraine mentioned in her walk that she's learned not to expect happiness now which I actually thought was really quite profound because Mm. when those moments of positivity and joy come which they will it kind of like seems like a lovely surprise and and a real bonus Mm. and of course as you know one of the last questions we get our guests to answer is what's the best advice they can give about happiness and we've got a couple of listeners who have got in touch here to share their advice yeah we had uh, christina wadley on instagram get in touch to say that try and find something positive in every day so you know that even on the darkest of days there is a ray of light to guide your way No matter how small and even on the worst of days, there will be something to find if you look hard enough. That's lovely advice. Thanks. Yeah, I feel like there there is always something positive that you can find, even if it is like I think we mentioned before about gratitude, even if it's just Mm. one small piece from the from your day that you can feel thankful for or has made you smile or absolutely. Even if you're having a really, a really dark day. There might just be one one small piece of your day that there is some some light. It's almost like training your brain, isn't it, to look for those as That's well. So it. even if you're going through a really rough time, you're kind of still training your brain to to look out for those optimistic things to just yeah. like keep you going. So when you get over it, yeah, or get over it, but gradually get hopefully through get through it yeah yeah, yeah. That's, and that's not to gaslight yourself but it's mm. just to help you get to the next stage isn't it the next yeah the next minute the next yeah. hour the next day neuroplasticity is um a real kind of buzzword i think at the moment mm. and, and it's exactly like you say laura just training your brain um mm. and yeah it doesn't really matter kind of like how old you are you can it just shows that yeah your brain is it's all made of plastic and you can be molded and <laughs> yeah you know i think as well once you start to look for the positives it comes a real habit so yeah really really beneficial louise on facebook she's been in touch to say be thankful for what you have you may not be rich in money but you may be rich in love and family don't dwell on what you don't have and live your life to the best and maybe just let your inhibitions go jump in that river swing on that swing go down a slide if it makes you happy then you've won at life yeah that's so nice you might not be rich in money but you might be rich in love and family i think that is really nice gratitude and happiness are so strongly linked aren't they so on that note a huge thanks from me to you holly and laura and of course this week's great guest lorraine candy most important of all though thanks so much to you for listening if this is your first time you've joined us there are plenty more episodes you can subscribe to and download But if you've been with us from the beginning, 
Thank you so much for coming with us and our fabulous guests on their walk to wellbeing. And so until next time, from me and the whole of the health and wellbeing team, stay well and see you soon. Before you unlace your trainers, we've got an exclusive health and wellbeing magazine subscription deal for you, our lovely Walk to Wellbeing listeners. Head to givestoyou.com forward slash apod2, that's A-P-O-D and the number two, to get three issues for just $9.99, saving you over 25% and delivered straight through your front door too. The link is in the description of this episode to make redeeming this fantastic offer simple and easy. Remember to share your walk with us on social media using the hashtag walk to wellbeing and you can even download exactly the same list of questions you heard our guest chat through earlier in the episode. You could record your very own walk to wellbeing episode and we'd absolutely love to hear it. For all the details, head to this episode's description and we hope you enjoyed strolling with us today. <laughs>